Start spreading the news. The Yankees won a classic game two in Cleveland on Wednesday night. We break down the comeback and miraculous victory over the Indians. Now the Yanks are moving on to face the Rays in the ALDS. So much to discuss, and we have some help. Friend of the show, baseball legend, and one of the best broadcasters in the business, Ken Singleton, joins us. Maybe Jersey Joe Piscopo will help me with my Frank Sinatra impression. It's all next on a brand new edition of the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. The Yankees are moving on, and we are moving on with them as they head to the bubble in San Diego to take on the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm your host, Chris Sheeran, alongside my co-host, four-time Yankees World Series champion Jeff Nelson. Follow us on Twitter, at Chris Sheeran. Yes is my handle, and Nelly is at NYNelly43. If you are tuned in right now, do us a favor, head into Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support in our debut season and look forward to continue bringing you two episodes a week during this Yankees playoff run. Yes, Network broadcaster and baseball legend Ken Singleton joins us later in the show. But first, Nelly and I dive into round one and we look ahead to round two as well. Jeff, this team was two and six, limping to the finish line of the 60-game abbreviated regular season. They scored 12 runs in those six losses, but 23 in the two wins. And we've seen this out of the Yankees all regular season long, which team was going to show up in Cleveland? And boy, did the offense show up against against one of the best pitchers in the American League. And Jeff, who could be the Cy Young Award winner in Shane Bieber? Well, I think he's going to be the Cy Young Award winner. He won the Triple Crown in pitching, the ERA wins, and also strikeouts. And I think that's the biggest surprise is that he comes out and he gives up seven runs in four and two thirds. And with the Indians having the best pitching staff in the American League, you know that was a shock to me that they really didn't show up. But you know it reminds me a little bit of the 2000 team when I was there and we lost the last six games. We got swept by Tampa and we got swept by Baltimore and we backed our way into the playoffs. And I think we only won 86 or 88 games, whatever it was. And, you know, everybody was calling us old and, you know, it's time for a new team to win. There's no way the Yankees are going to repeat. And the Yankees this year did the same exact same thing. You know, they limped their way into the playoffs. They were supposed to be one of the best teams in baseball. Uh, and it's just a matter of what seed they were going to get. And I thought, OK, it, out of any of the teams, either the Twins or the White Sox or the Indians, the Indians were one of the teams I didn't want to see the Yankees play. And and they come out and they show up in the first game. And I think the home run by Judge uh, was huge. You knew Garrett Cole. Well, I mean, I, I don't think you knew Garrett Cole was going to go out and do what he was going to do. But obviously, this is the way, this is one of the reasons why they signed him. But, you know, it, it just shows that I think playoff experience really helps. And with the Yankees and a lot of those guys on that team having the experience and knowing how to treat a playoff game as a regular game instead of making it too big, I think what the Indians did, they tried to do too much. 
much, and they they tried to make the 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 atmosphere way too much more. It, it just made it too big than what they what they should have. Well, you touched on Garrett Cole, and and I'll tell you this, Nelly. Over the last couple of seasons with the Yankees and their postseason runs, which were cut short twice by the Astros and once by the Red Sox, what they were lacking was an ace. And this is no knock on anybody that was in the Yankees rotation throughout those years, whether it was Luis Severino, whether it was Masahiro Tanaka, whether it was CC Sabathia uh, towards the end of his career, who was a stopper even towards the end of his career. And he was he was an OG, let's be honest. CC Sabathia was one of the best big game pitchers for the Yankees over his career with the Bombers. But you look at Garrett Cole, and when Yankee fans sat down and watched game one, they saw what they have been missing and what the Astros have had the past three seasons in, in an ace. 105 pitches, 73 strikes, seven innings, six hits, two earned, no walks, and 13 strikeouts. Big comparison, by the way, between game two with the walks and game one with the walks on both sides. 19 walks between both teams in game two. Cole with no walks in game one. But I don't want to deflect attention away from the ace that he is, Nelly. And you could see that this is what this team has been missing the past three seasons. Well, I think he cemented himself. I mean, I don't, you know, it's one start, but I mean, cemented himself as a, I guess, a true Yankee. I mean, you know, you hear so many times throughout the years that, yeah, you can have regular, great regular seasons as a Yankee, but you're never a true Yankee until how you perform in the playoffs. And when you perform in the playoffs, and that shows the whole Yankee fan base and media that, you know what, he belongs in New York. He can handle being a Yankee. He can handle the media, handle the fans. And, you know, even though there wasn't any fans in the stands, and I think that really benefited the Yankees, uh, maybe it hurt the Indians. They didn't have a crowd to feed off of. Uh, so it's going to be interesting going forward as far as not having fans until you get to the World Series. But as far as Cole, you know, he set the tone. And when you have a pitcher like that, I mean, I've been involved with many of them, Andy Pettit, David Cohn, you can go David Wells. They set the tone for the rest of the series. And if the Yankees would have lost, they wouldn't have come out on top. They The Indians probably win too. But the Yankees... And Garrett Cole set that tone in game one. And I think it's just a trickle down effect throughout that whole clubhouse. And I think the offense felt it. Obviously, when you're in the bullpen, you know that this guy's going to give you seven or eight solid innings. And all you have to do is worry about maybe three to six outs and you can get the job done. And, and you know, it's just I'm just looking forward to seeing more of Garrett Cole and how he responds, uh, you know, going up against the Rays next. Yeah, it's got to do something to to a lineup when when your starting pitcher sets the tone, as you uh, so eloquently alluded to there, Nelly, uh, the lineup also set the tone. Just give you some quick numbers here. They were 15 of 41 overall against Cleveland pitching in game one. That's a 365 average. And that is that pales in comparison to the way they live. Uh, to the end of the season. They were 9 for 23 against Bieber. That's 391. Bieber's season batting average against was 167. 167. He allowed seven runs, seven earned, and nine hits, both season highs, four and two-thirds, a season low in innings pitched. This guy allowed seven runs in his first eight starts of the season, and now in three career starts against the Yankees, 15 earned runs in 13 and a third innings pitched. LeMahieu and Judge, as you mentioned, Nelly, set the tone, base hit, home run, and then it was off to the races after that. But we can't pull the rug over 
uh, other guys like Brett Gardner and Glaber Torres, it was like smelling salts were held under their nose. They combined to go seven of nine for six ribbies. They had two homers, one each, and a double for Gardner, too, at an unbelievable game. You were wondering why he was in the lineup. That was why. It just shows I, I'm so I'm such a big advocate about regular season numbers that, you know, sometimes it just don't matter. You know, you have great players that have great seasons and they go into the playoffs and they just don't show up. And, uh, you know, Bieber maybe made the situation too big. I mean, he, he had a great season. He goes out and puts a lot of pressure on himself. You see the judge home run. It was supposed to be a fastball away. All of a sudden it leaks out over the middle of the plate and he hits it to right center field. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of pitches that that missed location. And that wasn't Shane Bieber during the regular season. You know, but during the postseason is a little bit different. Sometimes you grip the ball too hard. Sometimes you try to do too much. You make the situation bigger than what it is. And I think that's what the Yankees did. They slowed the game down enough. And, and it's it's funny you, you say slow the game down, but you have to slow the moment down. You can't get wrapped up in the moment. You know how big the game is. You know it's a short series. You know anything can happen. But the Yankees did just a, such a great job of slowing the moment down and, and really not panicking and not putting pressure on themselves that, that they didn't need to do, like Cleveland did. Let's move on to game two, Jeff. And the Yankees in their history, uh, comeback wins in the ninth inning or later, just three times. 1939, Joe DiMaggio uh, won game four of the World Series against the Reds. 1977, our buddy Willie Randolph, uh, ALCS Game 5 against the Royals. He had a sack fly to end that one. And DJ LeMahieu, of course, uh, in Game 2 on Wednesday night with his base hit, which would eventually be the game-winning RBI. First thing I have to ask you about this, though, and I really want to get your thoughts on it because you're a former player, and to see what Major League Baseball did to Tanaka and to Carrasco, to delay that game with no rain and then to start that game in a monsoon for both of the starters. I mean, that, that was just such an awful decision and a bad look for major league baseball. It's embarrassing during the regular season when that happens is because you have two quality starters and to go ahead and, and do that. And, you know, even with a short season, you're, you're risking injury even more so. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're going to do it in the playoffs. And it's absolutely disgusting. I, I think it was a terrible job. I tweeted it out. What a terrible job. Whoever decided to start this game and then all of a sudden you're shutting the starters down and you can see it affected Carrasco on the other side and maybe not so much in Tanaka because Tanaka actually settled down a little bit. He had a terrible first inning and then settled down just a little. But, uh, you know, you had a chance for that rain delay to be even longer and then you lose both starters and then all of a sudden it becomes a bullpen game and, and some mockery. So I can't believe that happened. And, you know, it's something that it, I'm really surprised that it did because usually they try to avoid that. I mean, having starters warm up at all until they know they have a window that they can start the game 19 walks in this game you know we waxed poetic just before moments ago about how Garrett Cole had no walks in game one 19 walks between both teams in game two it was just hard to get through in a game where there's that many walks but uh, let's let's focus back in on the Yankees offense once again they score 12 runs a dozen runs in game one they score 10 runs in game two Gio Urshela, I mean, you can't say enough about this guy. There, there aren't enough superlatives, Nelly. Not only what he did at the plate with the grand slam off uh, Karinchak in the top of the fourth to give the Yankees the lead to seesaw them out in front. That guy gave up one home run and 27 innings pitch this season. Tremendous reliever, and it was a great at bat and a great pitch that he threw to Urshela. And he gets the leadoff, or not the leadoff, but the single after Stanton walks, leading off the ninth to... to get that rally going and but right before that he saves runs turning a double play from his rear end making a tremendous diving play at third 
to me, he's the player of the game. I mean, you can give it to a lot of players in that game, Nelly, but he got the he got the championship belt in the post in the post game locker room for the Yankees. He, he was my player of the game in game two. Well, the defensive play that he that he made, I mean, obviously hitting the grand slam, but the defensive play that he made to, to turn that double play, that could have been a base hit. It could have been another run. Uh, maybe Cleveland keeps tacking on runs in that inning. Uh, you know, he's a tremendous third base third baseman, you know, what can you say about him? Yeah, obviously the player of the game. Uh, another guy that I, I'm pretty sure he's a free agent, right, at the end of the year. I mean, what are the Yankees going to do? They have a few of these guys, and he's actually, I mean, he. it's funny because he came from the Cleveland Indian organization. If you remember, he, he, he came through that organization, and, and look what they could have had. But, you know, a tremendous player. These guys show up. It was a very interesting Heck, I even passed out at the ni- in the ninth inning, and all of a sudden I wake up and because I'm thinking it's over. I mean, here you go. I mean, you talk about regular season numbers. Brad Hayes is not blown a yeah. save all year and he comes 16, in yep. i wake up and it's nobody out and his base is loaded i'm like well the yankees are gonna sweep this one because they're not gonna you know there's no way the indians are getting out and of course the yankees score two runs and then chapman comes and closes it down so you know bieber the best pitcher in baseball maybe the best pitcher in the american league hand never blowing a save all season and then it all comes and backfires backfires with uh with cleveland another free agent since you brought up free agency uh and i don't know if you know the beginning of the song money by pink floyd but that sound has to be going off in DJ LeMahieu's agent's head <laughs> because every time this guy gets another big hit, Jeff, he just makes more money for his next contract. It's amazing. I mean, you watch him and, you know, it, it's almost like he's unconscious. You know, is he? Or, That's why they call him the machine. Yeah. I know. I mean, he's, he's just like, does he breathe? Does he even make any kind <laughs> of, uh, you don't see any, you don't see any smirks. I mean, everything, no, everything is just business with him. And, yeah. And it's like this guy just goes and about his business all the time. And you're like, okay, maybe you have to hit him in the head to wake him up because he's not waking up. But this guy's an incredible, I don't know what, incredible player. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I don't know if he has. Uh, aspirations of going out on on the market. I mean, you might as well, but I, I hope the Yankees wind up signing this guy back. I mean, such a catalyst in this lineup. If they lose him, uh, that's probably the biggest loss in, in this offensive lineup. Well, you guys have been gentlemen, and I talk about you and Jake, and you're not bringing up the group text where I said Sanchez should have been sitting on the bench in game two. Uh, so I want to thank you for not bringing that up, but I'm going to bring it up. I came very close to because... No, I agreed with you too. I'm I'm going to bring it up because I texted you, you L Gary look who's wrong I think I said all right well here's what I want to say you're talking to the guy that in 2011 predicted the New York football giants to go five and 11 and they went ended up winning the Super Bowl and I gleefully decorated it onto a cake at stop and shop and ate my own words on the air on the yes network during the Mike Francesa show when we were doing that show I did it's back there somewhere in the tape so I will gladly come on to this podcast today and say I was wrong because you know what? I'm not right all the time. All you have to do is ask my wife. We've been together 14 years and I've been wrong a hell of a lot. And I was wrong with Sanchez here as well. Two run homer and a six to give the Yankees an eight, six lead. And you know what? After Gardner comes up and strikes out with the bases loaded, Gary Sanchez, who's had, let's face it, Nelly, he's had an awful season at the plate. Guess what he did? He did his job. He gets the ball up in the air. 
He gets a huge sack fly to tie the game at nine before DJ LeMahieu comes up. Now, look, I know he has his, his shortcomings behind the plate as a catcher, but the reason why, and Jake texted this to me last night, and he's spot on. This is the reason why this guy's in the lineup, and it's because of what he did last night. Yeah, you know, with a terrible pitch by hand, it gives him a fastball that he's able to lift up in the uh, up in the air. I, I don't understand that one, but I was surprised that Sanchez was in the lineup. Obviously, you see what he does offensively, and, and he hits the ball in the air. The ball was blowing out to right field and you know it just kept carrying and carrying and it got out uh you know I, I still really don't like him behind the plate I think I texted you watching the game and I, I him down on one knee you know to me he steals a lot of strikes I know there's that the uh analytics say hey he's any low strike he's one of the best at getting uh that's when he's right probably centered I mean you can see him he slides so much behind the plate I mean his whole body slides when he goes to catch the ball instead of just reaching out his arm uh, and I think that's why one of the one of the reasons is why the umpires don't call a lot of strikes, especially when he's on the outside part of the plate and he slides his body over to catch it. And it's probably a strike. I mean, you look at the ball in that in that little box and the umpires wind up calling the ball. So Hagasioka is a lot better catcher behind the plate as far as framing. He is. But, uh, but you know, offensively, you know, you could probably go Hagasioka and not lose anything because everybody else is clicking. But, you know, you look what Sanchez has done. I mean, you're not going to DH him because you have Stanton. You can't afford to put him in the field. But, you know, I understand which way they go and, and why they need Gary in that lineup. See, that that is exactly what I thought after that game one offensive outburst that I said, hey, you could probably start Higgy and have him catch Tanaka and be an asset back there defensively. Just what you said, Nelly. Uh, spot on. Uh, we're running out of time here for our first segment. And before we bring Ken Singleton in, and, and by the way, Jake, just so you know, I, I mentioned Mike Francesa. He, he seems to forget uh, when he was on the air, he seems to forget certain times the things he said. I just want to show our fans that I don't forget what I say and I don't hide what I say. So it, it's out there. And and, and uh, I, I admit when I'm wrong. And I was wrong. I was absolutely a thousand percent wrong. But before we get to our buddy Ken Singleton, Nelly, uh, let's get a Nelly's nugget uh, about maybe a postseason clincher that you have throughout your time with the Yankees. What do you have for us today? Well, we'll go back in 2000 when we backed into the playoffs and we went out to Oakland to open up the division series. And, you know, when they do interviews, it broadcasts throughout the whole stadium. And I think the A's maybe messed up because when they had their pre- uh, their pre-interviews, they a few players out there went on on the mic, and we actually heard it that oh the Yankees are old, it's our time now. They backed into the playoffs, you know. There's no way they're winning three in a row, and and we can see us taking this series. So we, I mean, we knew it, and we always did our business on the field. It's just like when the Mets did the same thing in a 2000 World Series. They talked trash, and and look who won. But we had a clubhouse guy, and and in Oakland the clubhouses are so tiny, and, and you know especially the visitor side. I've never been to the home side, and our clubhouse guy his name was mike i think his last name was thumb bloom but it was little mikey he, he even came out and told a bunch of players before the even series before the season even start series even started he says you know what you guys are going to go down this is the visiting clubhouse who weren't supposed to tip at the end and supposed to take <laughs> care of it he goes oh you guys you know this is the ace this is the a season and and uh you know you guys are going down because we opened up out there in games one and two right well wound up going five games we go back to oakland and he's still all smiles thinking that all oh, this is going to happen and the next thing you know you know we wind up winning game five and every single player on our team knew what mikey said mikey locked himself 
into his in his office and did not come out <laughs> and we absolutely destroyed his locker room every piece of food alcohol champagne <laughs> cokes they pretty much had to rebuild that whole place we tore it up and we i mean we were splashing stuff on his door pounding on the door telling him to come out and uh you know that that's just something that you know as i mean as players we act like little Let kids me. once we clinch it's just like the twins you know the twins losing 18 consecutive postseason games the a's can never seem to catch a break either but when they start talking trash and, and you're going to sit there and have us celebrate i mean we didn't eat any of that crap that they put out it for a postseason, but it was all over the ceiling and all over the locker a locker room and all over his door. And we made sure that he knew that, you know what? You don't talk trash in the beginning of the season. Kind of like Jake's Mets in 2000. You don't talk trash before a World Series. Game. Jake, your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I, that's not very nice, but uh, <laughs> I was curious if on that door there were remnants of poop because it is a tradition. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think we had Mex. I think we had Mexican that night, so uh, there could have been some you know, uh, refried beans that kind of looked like some feces that were on that door. Oh boy, it always goes back to poop. Joining us now, three-time All-Star and baseball legend, World Series champion Ken Singleton. In eight of his fifteen tremendous seasons, he played 151 or more games. The man never needed a day off. He is now an analyst for the Yes Network. He was one of the best on the field playing, and he's one of the best analysts off the field as he jumps aboard with us once again. Ken, thank you so much. Uh, I guess I'll just start by asking you if you were surprised by the offensive outburst against the Cleveland Indians in this wild card round with the Yankees. Well, in a way, yes, and in a way, no, Chris. I, I would say, of course, uh, the Indians had the so-called best pitching coming into the uh, postseason in the American League as far as the team ERA and the ability to strike people out. But we know what the Yankee offense can be like uh, when it's really clicking. And uh, it, it just seemed that they had gone through a drought, and now maybe they were able to turn on the switch. Not many teams were able to do that. Uh Certainly in uh, last night's game, well, it, it was one of those games where Cleveland tried to give the game away. When you walk 12 people, it's hard to win a game. And they still almost did. The, the fact is that their pitching wasn't very good. And it showed you the strength of the Yankee lineup because the uh, ultimately the winning rally was started by the bottom part of the order. And uh, there, there are no respites in the Yankee order when everybody's healthy. And that's the way they are right now. So uh, maybe they can carry over. And Kenny, I mean, you've been in the postseason before, and it's so funny to hear uh, a lot of, uh, you know, whether it's media or critics or whatever, say, oh, look how the Yankees ended their season. And and it's, to me, you know, I played a number of years in the postseason as well. It doesn't matter. Regular season numbers does not matter. It doesn't matter how you end the year. You go into the postseason, and I think that's where experience takes over. That's where I think that uh, everybody all of a sudden, hey, this is a fresh start. I start with a 0-0-0 batting average, a 0 0 0 RA, I go out and do my job uh, and let the experience take over. And, and I think we've seen that. I mean, you look at the, the Indians, for instance, the best pitching in, in the American League and they fall. You know, Bieber, you know, the triple crown winner as, as a starter, he fought, he failed. And and the Yankees ending the way they did, they come out and, and they then they start uh, they start rolling offensively and no doubt Cole was Cole that's why you sent, signed him but regular season numbers just don't matter when it comes to the playoffs yeah I agree with you wholeheartedly Nelly and I, I think I can go back to some of the teams you were on with the Yankees in particular the, the 98 team uh, that great team that uh, you know just ran over everybody and won 125 games overall during the season and postseason but I think at the tail end of that year in the regular season, 
guys weren't playing very well. And if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Joe Torre had a talk with you guys and said that uh, if you continue to play like this, you're not going to be around the postseason very long. As well as, yeah, I, I think that's what happened. And you guys turned on the switch and just uh, bludgeoned everybody in the postseason and went on to win the uh, World Series. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in, think that's the greatest team ever, the way they played, 125 wins and 50 losses. That, that, that's just an amazing year. Uh, I, I think you're right about turning it on in the postseason. I don't think that uh, younger players early in their career are quite capable of doing that, but I think the veterans are. And I think that's one reason why Aaron Boone went with Brett Gardner over uh, Clint Frazier. I think he went with the veterans, and uh, uh, the move proved out to be right because Gardner had a good two games and also uh, you know, played well in the field like he usually does. So I, that was the correct call to go with Brett Gardner. A lot of people thought Frazier might have been the one, but he closed the season one for 21. And when you ratchet up the postseason, that's even more pressure on a younger player. You know, Kenny, you, you brought up Nelly's 98 team uh, and, and the Yankees in the late 90s. They, they would work a starting pitcher and get into a bullpen real quick. And, and it was the quality of it bats against pretty much the AL Cy Young Award winner in Bieber in game one that that really struck me. He, his outpitch is that ridiculous curveball that he has, and the Yankees were able to lay off that, and they were able to work some at-bats after the early aggression by T.J. LeMahieu and Aaron Judge to set the tone, but it was those quality of at-bats that really struck me in that first game. Yeah, Chris, I, I would agree with you. Uh... And I think one of the Yankees worked their game plan perfectly. I, I think they laid off their breaking ball. Uh, Bieber gets a lot of strikeouts on those pitches that look like strikes and then they end up in the dirt. <laughs> I can recall years ago Earl Weaver screaming at us, don't swing at the breaking ball in the dirt. And the Yankees didn't do it. Uh, they forced Bieber into bad count, and then they jumped all over fastballs. Of course, the first pitch he threw the judge was a fastball, and it was 2 nothing. So I, I just think that uh, the game plan for the Yankees worked. In fact, I think I read where Bieber, 60% of his breaking balls actually were out of the strike zone, but he throws it so hard that hitters have to react to it. And a lot of them, you get a lot of those check swing strikes. And the Yankees were able to uh, just lay off of it, got him in trouble, got him out of the game, and eventually were on the cruise in game one. One thing about the Yankees winning last night, it was a much tougher game for them to win. They didn't play their best game. and uh, But it goes to show you have what good a team that they have. It's almost like they can play any type of game you want to play and win now. And that's what you're going to have to have in the playoff, especially as they move on and face the Rays. Now, let's go back with with Guardy. I mean, going in, I mean, they have five days off before the, the division series starts. And, you know, I don't really like how teams, I really don't see that you can script a postseason game and not like the regular season where you know the starter's gone and this is a reliever that you're going to use and the pinch hitters and on. And I think the feel of the game plays a bigger part in the postseason. And I'm really happy that Guardy did start because you're playing the hot hand. You see him playing going forward. I mean, just rolling with that hot hand and just let the feel of this postseason carry Gardner in the way. Well, I, 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 I certainly against the right-handed starters, but they're going to get Blake Snell in Game One, and you might want another right-handed hitter in there in Clint Frazier. You know, you bat him down in the lineup seventh, eighth, or ninth, and hopefully he'll run into one because he's got a really quick bat. There's no doubt about it. And you want to give him a chance to contribute. You don't want to completely shut shut the young man out now. Uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, depending on bullpen usage by the Rays, you know, Guardy could still get in the game. Certainly, he's going to, if the Yankees have the lead, he's going to get in defensively. So it's not as if you're going to completely shut Brett Gardner out of game one if the Yankees have the lead. He, he will play. 
especially on defense later in the game. So, and you know what? He'll be ready and he'll understand. I think he knows that Blake Snell is no picnic for any left-handed hitter. So, if if Frazier gets to start, I, I could completely understand that. Snell's no picnic for righties or lefties. He's an equal no, opportunity. He's, <laughs> he's an equal opportunity pain in the neck, Kenny. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to bury the lead here either. I know I know the offense really showed out and showed up against the Indians, but I, I got to ask you about Garrett Cole. And, and, and here's, here's the difference, I believe, Kenny, between the Yankees this year and the Yankees in 17, 18, and 19. And it's the guy at the top of the rotation and what he was able to do against Cleveland. And I want to take you back to the third inning in game one, uh, 3-1 Yankees, second and third, two outs for the Indians. And this is the crux of everything that's happened to the Yankees in the last three years. This is where they didn't have that ace who would step up and was able to just have a lockdown inning. And Cole faces Carlos Santana, who's a tough lefty. Uh, you know, he he's killed the Yankees in years past. And it was good morning, good afternoon, and good night was a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Here, hit it right down the middle. Cole sits him down, gets out of that inning, and the Yankees go on to obliterate the Indians in that game. That, to me, Kenny, that spoke volumes to me about this team this year. Yeah, you know what? I'm sure it was a, a just a big boost to the ball club in itself to you know be walking off the field and just watch this guy operate. I mean, that was it was a big strikeout, but was, I can't remember he struck out 13 guys. That, that's dominating. Uh, I know Cleveland, their offense maybe you know it's not exactly the, the late 90s Indians with Albert Bell and all those guys, but but still they they're a pretty good team and uh, and. Uh, he was one of the hottest hitters. Speaking of Santana, he, you're right. He has killed the Yankees in the past. He has a very good batting eye, so you're going to have to throw strikes. I think he led the league in walks this year. So you, you, you've got to get him out. And Garrett Cole, as you said, see you later really quick. And uh, just to get out of that jam so quickly. And I'm sure it gave Cole uh, a boost of energy as well. And then the Yankees just rolled from there. Uh, you're right. To have that game one guy. And, and number two, you know, the, the Rays feel they have it in Snell. The Yankees now feel they have it in, uh, they have it with Garrett Cole. Uh, and one thing, uh, if the Astros keep going and the Yankees eventually meet them, Cole is on the Yankees side now. The Astros don't have it. Well, Kenny, what does that do for an offense? I mean, I, I think it's a tone setter when you have somebody like Cole. I mean, you've played with teams, Dennis Martinez, Jim Palmer, Flanagan, McGregor. I mean, you played with some dominant starters. What does that do as far as a position player knowing that, hey, we got our ace out there and, and you know, we have a great shot of winning. I mean, what, what kind of tone does that set or, or positive vibe does that set, set through the team? Yeah, I, I will tell you guys a, a quick story. In the playoffs in 79, we had a chance to win a game and go to the World Series, and we kind of blew the game. Uh, you can imagine how quiet it was in the clubhouse after the game, knowing we had just uh, you know let the Angels kind of back into the series. And Scott McGregor was pitching the next day. And as quiet as the clubhouse was, he got up in the middle of the clubhouse, and he announced, I guarantee you we will win tomorrow. And uh, he's pitching. And uh, we won 7 to nothing. He shut him out. And just to have him say that before the game even started, it gave us a boost of confidence. We just felt, get this guy some runs, and he'll do the rest. And he threw a complete game shutout. So when you have a pitcher like that on your side that feels as confident as Scotty did, I'm playing golf with Scotty this week. And 
you know, a few years ago, I asked him, how could you say that in front of everybody? And he said, do you ever check my lifetime record against the Angels? And uh, I, I think <laughs> I think he was something like 19 and four, something like that. So he felt pretty good going against him. He was from California and pitching out there didn't bother him because he had a lot of relatives there. And uh, but the, the fact is that uh, uh, he was great. He also he did it one other time. That particular year, 79, we blew the World Series. We were up 3-1 to one and lost, and he lost Game 7. We got up 3-1 to one on the Phillies in the World Series four years later, and it was his turn to pitch. And after he warmed up in Philadelphia, he walked in the dugout and said, the World Series is over. And he went out and pitched a shutout again. We won, I think it was 5 to nothing. But uh, I, I just felt that he was our best big-game pitcher. And I think Garrett Cole has the same sort of qualities with even more power. Scott McGregor is more of a finesse pitcher, but uh, Garrett Cole can be – completely dominating in a game as he was. Is he that confident the on the one. golf course? Uh, you know what? We're going to find out when I play with him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's pretty good, though. You know, he's a pretty good player. Uh, so we're, we're going to have some fun. <laughs> Kenny, uh, the Yankees have a 484 team ERA against the Rays, and they've only hit 218 as a team against them in 10 games. Now, as my co-host just so astutely pointed out, throw out the regular season numbers. The postseason is a different animal. You said the same thing. What are some of the concerns uh, for Yankee fans moving forward now uh, as they face the Tampa Bay Rays, who they went 2-8 and eight against during the regular season? Yeah, well, the, the major concern are the three starters that uh, will do the bulk of the work at starting the games for the Rays. Uh, Snell, Glasnow, and uh, Charlie Morton. So those those are quality pitchers, and they can hold you down. So I think from a Yankee standpoint, you're going to have to play tight on defense. Every opportunity you get, which might not be that many, you got to try and cash in somewhere. You know, even if it's just putting one run on the board some along the way, you got to do it. And then your starters have to answer. Cole can do it. I don't think Tanaka was at his best uh, last night. I think he was kind of bothered by the conditions at the beginning of the game. And the Yankees are going to have to find a you know third starter to match up with uh, Charlie Morton. These, these guys are quality. There's a reason why the Rays uh, handled the Yankees pretty well during the course of the season. Plus, I think the Rays hit better than they than they usually do against everybody else. I just think that they hit the Yankees well, particularly in, in Tampa Bay. I, I'm kind of glad that they're playing in San Diego and not playing down at Tropicana Field. The Yankees, I think the Yankees just, are happy the, about that, too. <laughs> yeah, I, Tropicana Field just seems to be uh, a place where the Yankees don't perform well. I don't know what it is. I, to me, it looks a little dark in there. You know, it, it's just that the, the lighting doesn't seem that great, and maybe they have problems. Uh, uh, these guys throw pretty hard. Maybe they have problems, but the Yankees have hard throwers, too. I, I just it, It's just one of those things. They don't play well. So playing in San Diego on the other side of the country, that might be a good thing for the Yankees. Yeah, it's a, it's an awful stadium. The Tropicana Dome is an awful stadium. It's it's a terrible place to play. Oh goodness! But you know, going with San Diego, and, and I remember Blake Snell coming out, and and I think somebody asked him, a reporter asked him, why the Yankees why the Rays had such success against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. And he just put, plainly said, you know what, there's no fans. You, you know, the fans aren't here. Uh, the fans are intimidating in New York. And it made it a lot easier for the Rays to go in. And, and obviously with a chip on their shoulder. So with them going out to San Diego and still having that chip, and obviously the Yankees want to get back at them because of what that what happened during the regular season. I think it's going to be a very exciting series. Uh, where does the advantage play? Does it play with, with the Rays still thinking that, hey, there's no fans or we don't have any intimidation factor as far 
stars going to New York and even playing in Tampa? Or do the Yankees feel that, hey, we have the advantage because we're not playing in the Tropicana Dome? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Nelly. The, the fact is the year before, I think the, the Rays were only able to win their were fans in the stands. Uh, in 2019, I think the Rays only won two games in New York. The Yankees kind of dominated them, and the Yankees actually played better at Tropicana Field than they did this year. Uh, getting both of them out of their home stadium, uh, this, this is going to be interesting, from, not only from this particular series, but all the series going forward. Because you have the American League teams playing in the National League Park, and the National League teams playing in the American League Park to take away any semblance of a home field advantage. So this this is going to be very interesting, particularly with uh, no fans, I think, until the, uh, the National League Until the World League Series, you saw Texas there. Yeah, yeah, Texas yeah I saw that. What, 25%. Yeah, that's, it, it's still not 50,000 people, though. You know, that, 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 that's completely different. I, I agree with Snell that uh, the Yankee fans can be somewhat intimidating, although when you're a professional player, you're supposed to be able to shut all that stuff out. But, uh, you know, that you just feel like you're playing more than nine guys when you're at Yankee Stadium. Kenny, uh, I have one more for you, and, and, it, and it's this. Like old school baseball, I'm sure on your Orioles teams, I'm sure it was the Yankees were, were one of your heated rivalries. Uh, back in the day and and it seems like it seems like the Yankees and Rays have a little bit of that old school look I'm not going to go pat your fanny when we're out there doing BP I'm going to stay away from you because I hate your guts I mean I think baseball needs this and I think this series is going to bring that out and I'm hoping for I know Yankee fans probably want a three-game sweep I want a five-game series, and I want in-your-face. I want chirping. I want all this stuff. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think this series could do a lot for the game of baseball. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right, and in particular, it might do a lot for uh, the Tampa Bay Rays and their fandom. Maybe it'll get the, you know the people down there going to get a new stadium for these guys. After all, if you remember years ago uh, when Seattle beat the Yankees, uh, with behind Randy Johnson and the young A-Rod, that saved baseball in Seattle and got a new ballpark built. Uh, I don't know if that it would go that far here in Tampa Bay, but it could. That that, but the Rays would have to win, and I don't want that to happen. So uh, I, I think you're right, though. There's already bad blood between these two teams. I mean, you had the Chapman throw a ball over the head of Broussard this year, and that 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 was awfully close. That was kind of scary. And they've they've been hitting guys the last couple of years. Are you going back to CC? And uh, that, that, I, I think in particular this year, the Rays and the Yankees rivalry was more heated than the Yankees and the Red Sox have been in the past. I don't know if we'll ever get to that point because the Red Sox and the Yankees have been around forever. The Rays, you know, they've been around for a while, but not that long. So I, I just think that uh, uh, it, it can be fun. I think it's going to be a fun series. But I think for either one of these teams to win, they're going to have to be at the top of their game. And uh, I think easily one of these two teams can go to the World Series and move on. Well, I think if it does go five games, you got to like the Yankees' chances because I like Cole coming back on short days rest rather than Snell. So, yeah, I would too. I, you know, I although for me, as quickly as you can get them out of there, the better because it helps your team. You get a little bit of rest. You can rest your pitchers up for the next series. He's number twenty-nine in your programs. He's number one in our hearts here on the Pinstripe Pod. Kenny Singleton, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk ball with you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris and, and Nelly.
That's all she wrote for episode 32, the Elson Howard episode of the Pinstripe Pod, our New York Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Catch up on all Pinstripe Pod episodes this season, wherever you get your podcasts. But please give us a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, if you would. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We'll be back on Monday to preview the ALDS against the Rays. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. And as always, stay safe.